we didn't really take in before this moment, I think society as a whole, how much it affects our spirit and how much it really is the environment that is important to our well-being. Welcome to Being Home with Hunker, a podcast where we explore the idea of home, not just as a place where you live, but as an expression of your identity. I'm Lori Gunning Grossman, Hunker's editorial director. Today on the show, we have Bregan Jane. Bregan is an interior designer, entrepreneur, and lifestyle expert. If you're a fan of HGTV, you may recognize Bregan as the host of The House My Wedding Bought or from Extreme Makeover Home Edition, where she helped people attain affordable luxury. In this conversation, Bregan shares her thoughts about how much our homes hold us and affect our spirit, especially since the pandemic. She also shares how she took her first leap into interior design, why she loves a white color palette, even with young kids and sandy toes at home, and finally, how she believes the intent has changed in how we design our homes. It's not just about creating pretty spaces anymore. So let's welcome our guest, Bregan Jane. Welcome. Hi. Do you like to go by the whole name Bregan Jane? Do people call you Bregan? What do you like? You know, there's Bregan Jane. There's just Bregan. There's Bree. There's Breezy. There's, you know, every rendition of a B name. So whatever feels comfortable. So you were here at our house in Jonathan's studio. Yes. Recording what I realize now was for your new show. Yes. <laughs> the House My Wedding Bought. Uh-huh. How is that going so far? Oh my gosh, it's so much fun. And I'm so glad it's come to life now and that people are getting to experience it. Because I think with TV shows, you go through the experience months ahead of time in preparation. And you're just so excited about this thing that hasn't come out in the world yet. Um, you guys seeing a glimpse into that world. And now that it's here, it's nice that people are feeling like it really is a relatable topic and that it's relevant. And, you know, you put so much work into these shows. The crew puts so much work into these shows. So it's such an exciting time when you finally birth the baby. So it's calling upon your experience as a designer. Uh-huh. And also a real estate expert. I mean, I've always made good real estate purchases and decisions in order to help my family accumulate wealth. And I think that when you're a first time home buyer, there's just so many things you don't know that you can only learn through doing. And so it's nice to be able to take what you're good at and just be able to lend that knowledge to somebody else who is experiencing these things for the first time and needs a little advice. And especially right now with the way that it's going crazy in real estate, like on the heels of the pandemic and people moving and people buying homes and looking for homes. Yeah, I think what's really interesting is sort of this concept of starting your new life together. I think when couples are getting together and now that we've realized the importance of home, the focus has become less on the individual event, but actually becoming a family, mm. becoming a you know, couple that lives together. And in this show, our homeowners are in a position to purchase a home, but it's a very scary moment. And they've saved all their money in order for these big life moments. I'm going to get married one day and I'm going to buy a house one day. So I'm going to save every dollar I have to be able to do those things. And then those things mm. come and they're like, what do I do? Do I listen to my mother-in-law? Do I listen to my own mother? What do I need? What do I not need? I really want like cabinetry. And it's like, you can paint the cabinets. Let's make good investment choices 
in that nest egg that you've worked so hard to accomplish. Right, right. As you're working with people, and there's compromise in couples, of course, right? And, and you know, deciding how you want to live and what are non-negotiables. What's super important to people right now? So one of the things that I find interesting is that most people have a perception based on a childhood fantasy of what their wedding day looks like. They don't Mm. seem to have the same perceived idea about their home. They're much more open when it comes to that. For whatever reason, I just see like as society, we don't really dream about our dream home as much as we dream about our dream wedding. And maybe because one feels more approachable than the other. But it often gives me more wiggle room to show them, you know, different options because I don't have to undo what's already there. Now, with the wedding, I have to do almost the exact opposite. There is this day that they've pictured in their dreams in their mind, and they want that. And sometimes what that is, is so disconnected from who they actually are as a couple. Mm. And there's this big, long list. And there's, you know, I want... Texas barbecue, or I want, you know, Mexican food. And it's like, well, can we do both? Do you need either? Like, what is your identity? Do we really need this large food budget? Or can we find ways to supplement it? And it's just such a fun moment, because they're really making the stamp of their identity of who they are as a couple. Hmm, I love that. And bringing it to the home in relation to our identities due to the pandemic and our spending more time in our personal spaces. Yes. We've been finding that our homes have become greater expressions of our identities, probably now more than ever. Do you see that too? We really realized how much our homes hold us. And I think that wasn't something people realized till they were stuck in it. You know, it became this place to sort of just drop your keys or something even my clients wanted just to look pretty, Right. But we didn't really take in before this moment, I think society as a whole, how much it affects our spirit and how much it really is the environment that is important to our well-being. 100%. And as you're working with people now, because I know you have your own design firm as well. Are you still doing consultations with people? I, I saw that you do like Zoom consultations or your team does. Yep. And that was something that we pushed to change and pivot into an offer at the year that we all have been through, right? I wanted to be able to reach more people than I could physically get to. Luckily, I had a thriving business here in LA. So all of my clients were very local. There were a few I fly for or whatever, but it was, can I have feet on the ground? Mm. And I realized that my knowledge pushed past that probably much like your website. And I wanted to share and offer that in a wider variety because I think the knowledge, I don't have to be in front of you to help you pick three good light options, you know, and to see your space and to understand how to help you. So yeah, we just launched, uh, relaunched that through the expert, which has been a great partner for us in that, but we still do manage clients as an in-house business as well. So It's a lot. It's fun. It's so smart. It is so smart doing the pivot and bringing it online for people. And as you're working with people now, bringing it back to the identity and how you were talking about our home is not just about a pretty home anymore. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing that? Like as you're talking to people, is it less of like, I want the perfect? I feel like I've gotten every client I've wanted for the last 10 years because I am very function first. And I'm also... Mm. um, very conscious of the spend. I don't care what budget you're on. 
I have never been the designer that's like, we need this thing because it's expensive or we need to put you here. Much like fashion. Good fashion incorporates a little bit of everything no matter what. And finally, I feel like my clients are perceptive, not to what the outward perception of a guest coming over will be, but their Mm -hmm. internal usage. And I think that is a weird shift that has happened. And I'm seeing that shift in our audience with Hunker also. People are responding to what's authentic, what feels real, and just like what feels good for each one of us, whatever your style may be. Something as easy as an entry has gone from what's going to look good here to what do I grab every day? What do I need when I leave the house? And those are the questions I've always asked for them. But I think at times they're like, why are you, I just need it to look good. You know, this is my entryway. I want it to feel a certain way, which of course is great. But like not thinking function first, thinking almost not show off, but you know what I mean? Like the the intent has changed. Yeah. So when you talk with them, is that one of the questions that you talk about function first? Like, are there some typical questions that you try to find out from people? There's so many typical ones that I think are obvious. I like the atypical ones, like Mm. which side of the bed do you sleep on? Do you use your nightstand? What do you need on your nightstand? Because if you're one of those minimalist people who wants nothing and you don't even want your phone near you, then I need to think about where you're going to put your phone when you do charge it at night. And is there a piece of furniture there to charge it with? If you're someone who's got a sound machine, a million things on your side table that you require a scent diffuser, I'm going to need to make sure that you have enough space to do that. So yeah, it's the personal funny questions that are always great. Like who gets up in the morning first? Mm. Uses the bathroom. Do we need to sort of create another bathroom moment because you guys are getting ready at the same time every morning? Do we need to create a sound barrier because you get up at 5 a.m. and you get up at, you know, 3 p.m.? So it's fun to dig into the details and really get to know your clients. So when it comes to your house, what are your three non-negotiables for you in your space? Right now, especially because my boys are young, everything is white, which people think is crazy, but everything is you know, bleachable. I don't have to worry about a wallpaper that's going to get ruined. I don't have to worry. I can just repaint it or just bleach it and it's clean again. And I know it's clean because trust me, kids run around and you curiously find stains later. Trust me, I'm going to see it. Also for me, that, that just evokes a cleansing palette that's soothing to me. I get inundated with so much creativity and visual expression that when I go home, I want a white color palette because brain is firing off with all the colors anyways. I really love my bathtub. I think having a spa moment in your bathroom is a really overlooked place for most of us. And it's as easy as reorganizing it and throwing out all the stuff that you might use one day the lotion your grandma gave you, the free mascara that you might need in your travel bag one day. It takes over our bathrooms and then we forget to do the five things that we really want in our routine, you know, because it's just stuff everywhere. Yeah. So clean bathroom and constantly purging. Like, don't forget to go in there and just get rid of the junk. That junk affects your brain. I don't know. I always have to have a touch of gold. Anywhere I go, I need a little glitz. I need a little fancy. I need a little sparkle. And that makes me happy. So I always find a way to incorporate it. 
I'm so on board with you about decluttering. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, I was going through my house recently wanting to clean up. I found this book. The title sounds a little dark, but it's called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. Have you heard of it? No, but I have a friend who's very good at this. It's fascinating. It's talking about when you get to a certain age in your life about going through and just getting rid of this stuff that doesn't have value or meaning and just cleaning out. So as you were saying, doing that in your bathroom, that's one place. And not waiting till that moment. I think what my friend Carrie Laughlin does, I've got to give her a shout out. Um, she really has helped people as they put family members into homes and they need stuff to do with that stuff. They also need to stage the house in order to sell it. And there's a lot of emotion behind that process. You know what I mean? Mm. And then it's just the things and It is such a deep relationship and an expertise to be able to hold the emotional space and make it around design decisions, but it's 10 layers deep. And it's very interesting because it's not a client that I typically have. And so we learn things from our friends in this space. And it's just always so interesting, the emotional space that she carries for those clients and that niche market in her area. You know, you do that for one family, And everybody's going to want you to do it for them, which I think happened. She's a great designer. She has that character and that spirit to hold that space and do it so lovingly, which is amazing. Now, if someone walked into your home and didn't know you, how do you think that person would describe who lived there? How does your home tell your story? Interesting. That's so interesting. I think it's very inviting. I've been lucky to have a few friends now and actually one who stayed there while I was traveling who feels a level of comfort in the serenity of my home. And I think it's an understated welcoming, you know, because it's it's kind of clean. And at first you might be like, is this too fancy? But once you kind of live in the space, you understand that sandy toes are welcome. I keep extra blankets everywhere because we like to cuddle up. It's a very lived-in home, um, despite its visual perfection. Sweet. Sounds warm. Warm and cozy. Yeah, I hope so. That's what I want people to think. But I did have somebody who met me say, I've driven by your house so many times, and before I met you, I thought you must be a uh, 50-year-old male architect. What? (laughs) (laughs) I took it as a compliment. I was like, okay, so you thought I was in the space of, you know, design and architecture. And yeah. uh, you thought that I was probably, you know, I think his way was saying, I thought you were established in the space as a homemaker is what I heard. But yeah. Yeah, I love it. Now with your boys at home, mm-hmm. younger boys, do they want to express themselves through their room, through their own design and decorating of their room? It's very interesting. So I will be honest, I take a little bit of control when it comes to their own self-expression in their space, meaning it's really hard for me not to curate it all the time. Like I can't do the character, you know, bedspread that my son would love to have. I mean, he would love to have characters on everything. And I'm like, I can't, not even your t-shirt, it kills me. That being said, because they see me do it all the time, they see me move things in the house. They see things come in and out of the house because they've been on projects with me. I noticed that they tend to curate things, especially my older son right now. He like very organized, has his crystals and even in his drawers. And um, he's been really good at that matching game. You know, where you flip cards over and you have to identify two and then flip them back. And that's how you, he's good at it. And I was like, we can beat me. And I'm like, 
oh yeah, all I've done from day one is sit in a restaurant with these kids and point it out. Look at how pretty that gold fixture is. Look at that big long handle because it's who I am. Now, crystals, is this a family affair? The love of crystals? It is. It's a very approachable way for the boys and I to kind of find a moment together between rocks and like sparkly things, you know, and then also just to start conversations about energetic properties or feelings or empowering yourself in a way that's approachable. You know, lots of these crystals have stories that are good conversations for us to open up. Like, well, what is luck? And how does it bring you luck? And do we think it brings you luck? And can we think about the things we want? So that's fun. And then it's a way for them to collect something that isn't like little characters that move. Like, yeah, we've got enough all over the house. Do you normally bring that into the homes of people you work with or does it just depend on the person? It totally depends on the person. And it usually comes from a place of them wanting that type of decoration or that type of, you know, I've had clients who like want black tourmaline on their bedside table because they travel so much and they think it helps with jet lag. And so that's important to make sure they have for them in their space. Other people just like the way a pink quartz looks on their, you know, makeup table. Um, and then for the boys and I, it's really approachable in Venice Beach. We just ride our bikes down and there's lots and we get to speak to the vendors and that becomes an adventure in itself. And you grew up in California, is that right? I did. I did. I'm a beach girl through and through. Grew up in Hermosa, Manhattan Beach and I can't leave the coast. Can't leave it? Love the water? I love the water. And I love sandy toes and I love... You know, I love being barefoot and can't take the beach girl out of me. Did you study interior design like in school? How did you fall into it? I studied art for a while. I started in fashion. I started with a clothing store when I was like 18, 19. And I've learned is a lot of interior designers start because I think it comes from a natural talent and want to express yourself visually. Mm. And interior design, I don't think when I was choosing a career, was something I was aware of as a option, you know, but fashion was, um, and it was approachable. So I opened my first store at 18 and I've just kind of been entrepreneurial and weaved in and out of different things throughout life. I would say most of my in-field education, School of Hard Knocks, was state management. I had worked through for a yacht company and marketing. So also also just all visual. Like when I look back at it, I'm like, everything you did was visual. Hmm. But interior design, I think, is not one of those things you know you're good at or you really know how to do till you get a space to do it on. And when I was working as an estate manager, I was constantly setting up different homes, different offices with construction crews. I was managing that whole process. And through that, my boss gave me a lot of freedom of like, yeah, go do it. Like, here's the to-do list. See you in two weeks. And I'd have a perfectly curated design space. And I was like, oh, there's something here. And you opened your own store at 18. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you remember like when you were younger, were you also like the young lady who was selling, I don't know, barrettes you were making or anything like that? Yes, totally. Painted backpacks was my thing in high school. I used to paint and that's because I ran out of canvas one night and painted my own backpack. And then one of my friends wanted one. And then I was like, well, I can just paint a few and sell them. So I sold my painted backpacks. 
I made high heels out of a dowel and a keg because my parents wouldn't buy one. Oh my goodness. I would paint the walls of my room at 3 a.m. My mom reminds me. Um, (laughs) It was all there. I just hadn't put the picture together. And when you were younger, did you have freedom of decorating your room? Yes. Actually, one of the first things I ever designed, I still have in storage, and it's a four-post bed that I got for my 11th birthday. My mom found some vendor in like downtown LA who did iron work. And I was able to say, here's the bed I want, and here's what I want it to look like, and and sort of draw it, and they made it for me. That's so cool. Yeah. It was, it, I mean, cool gifts, right? To like, thanks, mom. Yeah. So you've been entrepreneur and visual designer artist from, it sounds like from probably the get-go. And my first work permit I just found was from two years old. So my mom had a kid's clothing store and I started modeling really young. So I think that also just really introduced me to a world of creatives on set, just adults who are expressing themselves and creating commercials, but in these great ways. And I think totally makes sense on why I got back into this world of HGTV. It's at the root of what I loved doing in my childhood, but I never wanted to be an actress. But I love being on set. I love that whole experience. And once I found what I was called to do, it made the perfect sense to use that love and talent to just further my career in that way. Yeah. There's been many jobs, I think, as I found myself. But what I really took a leap out, it was buying my first flip property myself. When I was like starting a family and didn't want to work for anybody anymore, but kind of knew I was a workaholic, but didn't really know, but knew I was good at this thing called design. And so that's where I really took on my first big project, bought a house and just went to town. And I've been able to do that over and over again. And yeah, then people wanted me to do it for them. And it just, it all ended up where it's supposed to be, it feels like. It sounds like you just take a chance on yourself, right? You're just like, let's try it. Let's do it. Sometimes you have to. How did your whole relationship with HGTV start? Did you know someone there? Do they find you? I am a girl who has big goals and then works towards them like backwards. Yeah. And I remember at a certain point when I was just starting my design career, I was like, okay, so where do you want to be? Where are you going to take this? You know, like um, if you start college to be a lawyer, it's because you want to be a lawyer. You know what I mean? But you have to go through all those years of law school. You have to take all the tests. You know what you have to do. So when I looked at, okay, I want to be an interior designer. Well, where, what, what? And I was like, "Mm, let's like just put reality on the table. We would like Martha Stewart level. Like we want products at Target. Like, Don't be afraid to say it out loud. Like I manufactured clothing. I liked that process. I knew where I wanted to get. Anyways, all this to say that I knew that TV would have to be a part of my career in order to have the opportunities that I hoped to get and employ the people in the company that I wanted to create. Hmm. And so I constantly positioned myself actually online to be in the right place, right time moment for somebody to see that I was TV ready. Mm. I did an agent, but like I blogged for a year before I spent money on the website. I, I made that promise to myself, you know, like do the work before you just spend the money trying to be the thing, right? Love that tip. Yep. So website, like literally somebody at HGTV found me and I was like, 
well, this is happening faster than I thought. I definitely thought I was going to have to go through the process of finding an agent first or like writing the TV show. And it just came to me because I made myself open and ready to it. And it found me. Just taking the next right action. It's not saying yes is what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you think ahead in your business, in your career, what are some of the other goals you have on your list? Well, I think products. I think that through my knowledge of client work, especially in the luxury space, there's just so many easy tricks that I want to make approachable to the everyday human being. And I Mm. really would like the opportunity to be able to really go through that process, kind of take what I learned in manufacturing, fashion, and all that fun stuff, and put it into everybody's home. First of all, I have to say your fashion is just so gorgeous. Thank you. So colorful. I love the color. Thank you. But you said in your home, it's mostly white. Like you go for white at home, a little bit of gold. Uh-huh. <laughs> Serene so that I have the room to create and sparkle. I have a cream couch that I'm staring at right now. It hasn't worked out so well for me. I think it's because of my dogs, though. Even though I do have kids, it's the dogs. Well, I always say you got to go white canvas if you're going to do a white couch with dogs. Ooh. And then you get a second set of covers and you put them in plastic like up in a cupboard and you just unzip the one that gets dirty. You throw it in the washer with bleach and you bring out the other piece of the set and put it on. And little by little, your whole set will get washed but it can take bleach and it's all about the slip covered canvas. Okay, I'm gonna have to remember that next time because this couch is definitely gonna have its day going somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> it's something that people do all the time. They go, I don't want white, white. I'll do cream because it'll hide things easier. And it's like, mm-hmm. can't really bleach cream, but you can bleach canvas white. Okay, all right. This is a good tip. Mm-hmm. Now, when the pandemic happened last year, you shifted to working from home or have you always like worked at home as well? I had a home office at times before mm-hmm. I grew into having office space. So there's always that beginning, but I would leave the house at six, seven in the morning sometimes and come home nine at night. I mean, which is hard with two young boys, but I was a work, 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 work all day person, especially with site mm-hmm. visits all around Los Angeles. You know, it's just, it's a lot. So yeah, it was interesting to just sort of shift as the pandemic hit. And I also had a nanny transition right before we locked down. So it was just me and the boys. And I demanded and enjoyed continuing my workload. Mm. I think for a lot of people, they had this sort of moment where they got to slow down and they realized they wanted to go a little bit slower and they had the opportunity to do it. I think my experience was I had the opportunity to slow down and I realized I don't go slow. I don't want to go slow. I don't uh-huh. need this. You know, <laughs> it was nice to to be at home with the boys, but I still wanted to work. I still wanted to create. I still wanted to do. I was going stir crazy. And I think in some ways it was really nice to get to my own truth that that is real for me. Mm-hmm. It's not something I'm creating to keep up with somebody else or because I can't be at home. It really is who I am. And I found a way to work my butt off even in a pandemic because it fuels me and just small stuff. Like I, you know, I could just sit there all day, but I would reorganize the entire cabinet that day or need the project to be the whole garage. Like I just don't sit and that's okay too. You know, um, especially if it's not draining. Yeah. So I think it just got us all to the root of who we really are. 
on all levels for everyone. I think so too. I do. If we were to come to your house, is every drawer like super organized and decluttered? Or are you just like, I've got one drawer though? I do have that one drawer. I have more than that one drawer. Yeah. It's my garage that is the ever organizing space that I'm like, how? How? Mm-hmm. It is a constant practice to keep your home organized. It is. You don't just do it once. I think everybody thinks you just hire an organizer and it stays that way. It is a continual practice. So when you think of being home, like what's the essence of it for you? For me, it's the comfort and surrounding of feeling loved and safe. I think that's home. Home is being surrounded by the comfort of love and safety. I love it. So as we're rounding out this conversation, tell me a little bit about your work with Habitat for Humanity. I work with them pretty consistently. I love their organization. I've done a few of their builds, which are always fun. And then it's always so great to Mm. be able to just support them from a visual aspect and put, you know, whatever spotlight I can on their organization. I also do a lot of philanthropic work across the board. And home is something that's really important to anyone and everyone. You know, there's only a few basic needs and they're food, water, and then shelter. And people forget about that one. And it almost feels like the forgotten luxury, but it's not. It's a basic need to have a shelter. And how your shelter makes you feel is so important to what I believe you can accomplish. If you can't eat or drink, you can't really go do anything. And if you don't have a safe place to live, it's the same way. And then it just takes different degrees. If it doesn't feel safe, if it isn't safe, all of that really affects your your ability. Once your basic needs are met, then that's where we can flourish and find creativity. But if you're still meeting your basic needs, you're stifled. So I think it's really important to make sure home is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Girls' schools matter to me right now. Did you say girls' schools? Girls' schools in Kenya are one of my things. They're boarding schools and they don't have necessarily a safe home environment. And to give them a place where they can learn and where they can sleep, it is amazing to see what they do with it and what they become just because you're able to provide that for them. And people can learn more about this on your website? Yeah, I talk about it a lot on my blog. I do a lot of work through World Vision, and there is a section on my website about the work that I do. Child protection, um, and you know, I do a lot with mother and baby through World Vision because they're a great partner, and so I work with them a lot. I love it. Well, I think you're wonderful. Oh, thank you. I do. And I think you're putting out the good stuff in the world. And I just, I love your vision and I love how you're going for it and that you're giving back in many other ways. Thank you so much, Bregan. Thank you for having me. To learn more about Bregan, visit her website, breganjane.com, or find her on Instagram, at breganjane, where you can discover more about her interior design company, her television appearances, and her philanthropic work. Also, visit our show notes for more information. And if you want to dig deeper, why not get cozy on your couch and binge watch all the episodes of The House My Wedding Bought, currently streaming on Discovery+. Plus. You've been listening to the Being Home with Hunker podcast. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. 
If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman, executive produced by Eve Epstein. The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio. Theme music by Jonathan Grossman. Special thanks to Hunker's senior designer, Maury Men and director of audience development, Gina Goff. Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive.